0: Uh, When I've been preaching recently, we've been looking at the uh, letter of 1 Timothy in the New Testament So if you have a Bible with you, you could be turning to 1 Timothy chapter 2 If you don't have a Bible with you, uh, that's absolutely fine You can follow on the screen uh, above the stage as well And just by way of recap really, um, as we've been looking at chapter 2 We've seen its focus on, on prayer, on Paul encouraging Timothy to encourage the church Which includes us to be a praying church. And so we've looked at the the urgent importance of praying. We've looked at the faith to pray, recognizing that there's one God, there's one mediator, there's one savior, the man Christ Jesus, who gave his life the the one ransom that sets us free uh, from sin and death and judgment to be uh, in relationship with him uh, forever. And we've looked as well at the fact that he's encouraging us, the church, to pray for everyone. To pray for the whole world. Because God's heart is for the whole world. And then in praying for everyone, to pray also for kings and those in authority. That, that God would help and enable them to do their job well. And that the resulting peace, security and stability in different nations around the world, means that people are undistracted when they hear the gospel, the good news that's in Jesus. And Jesus is good news. And now, as we move on, still with that same uh, theme in mind of prayer, we're going to just read one verse, which is 1 Timothy chapter 2, and verse 8, which says this. I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands... In prayer without anger or disputing so he's spoken to Timothy to to encourage the whole church all of God's people and as he moves on he speaks first to men and then to women so in effect how does this apply to you how are you to to put this instruction to pray urgently uh, into practice. So today, and perhaps quite briefly, bearing in mind it is already the afternoon, I'm going to speak to just the men, but uh, we'll then move on on other occasions to see what he uh, writes in this letter to women as well. But there's a few things just to just to bear in mind briefly. In the New Testament, the vision of church life is of men and women involved, engaged together. In what God has called the church to do, so both men and women, are having a sense of uh, of belonging and of involvement. In other words, church is not just the realm for one or the other. It's not just the domain of men. It's not just an activity or a group for women. And we see this in Jesus in his life in his ministry, that he had men and women following him as uh, disciples as learners. Uh, sitting at his feet and listening to him. Jesus was comfortable in the com- company of men and women. Men and women were, were comfortable uh, in his company. His, his teaching was accessible. He didn't just use uh, images or metaphors that would appeal to men, uh, but to men and uh, women as well. And after he... Uh, rose from the dead and then ascended to heaven. We see a, a group of 120 uh, men and women gathered together in urgent prayer, seeking him, identifying them as, as one group. This would then be taken up and under, understood and explained by the apostles when they were teaching and writing letters uh, years later, such as Paul writing in Galatians uh, chapter 3 and verse 26 writing this. You're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. This sense of of equal uh, belonging, equal privilege goes on. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs According to the promise. So men and women together uh, looking forward to an internal, eternal inheritance that will be theirs uh, with God forever in glory. So what do we see from that briefly, even before we look at this verse in particular? Church is not a boys only club. It's not like one of the sometimes antiquated sports with peculiar rules that we don't all understand And there is a clubhouse or a pavilion and only men are allowed and they all have to buy uh, the same tie. It's uh, the kind of uh, an area just for the traditionalist, an extension of the garden shed and the man drawer. Only men could possibly understand what happens. Only men could possibly enter into this hallowed ground and... Though that kind of expectation or that kind of understanding could be projected onto church. God's new covenant community is just for blokes. And so it can be presented as kind of the battle for the sexes and, and, and culture can so easily feed this way of of thinking. Even from a young age uh, we can learn to even ingest, say, you throw like a girl or Well, you're a boy and boys stink. In other words, kind of battle lines are drawn. We separate out and they're in humor and sometimes not in humor. There's a kind of edge. There's hostility. I think Paul is writing to this, well, to Timothy, but through Timothy, talking to the church to say the church shouldn't be like that. The church is called to model a way of relating so that the world can see there's a way in which men and women can can cooperate and work together, relate well to each other without that tension, uh, without any hostility, without barbed humour uh, to bring glory to God and to seek his, his uh, purpose together in honour and respect. So it's not just the domain of men. Equally, it's not just the domain of women. And what we also see in verses like this, his differences aren't to be ignored. Believing and following Jesus does not require men to become less manly. Uh, Jesus is good news for blokes. And perhaps you're here, you've come, you might be just uh, a student here for the first time, or uh, you might be visiting with with friends or family, you wouldn't usually be in a church. And, and for some, there can be a, a wary apprehension. If I were... To follow Jesus, would I have to lose something of the essence of what it is to be me? And if you're a man, to, to be a man. The gospel of Jesus doesn't neuter men, it restores and equips us to become what God always intended us to be. Perhaps it will refine what we understand true manliness to be. It's not going to make us less masculine. Men and women are created differently. Differently to glorify him. And at this point, before moving on to another subject, Paul clearly thinks actually something specific just needs to be said to the guys. That's not to say these things don't apply to the women at all, but these are things that maybe in particular, on the whole, men need to hear. So, like I say, let's keep it short and sweet this morning, but here are three Encouragements for men. I suppose in character and in life in general, but specifically applied to prayer, seeking God in prayer uh, as well. And it goes a little bit like this. Let's be courageous. I want men everywhere. Paul addresses the guys first. He could have done it the other way around. In fact, often when the apostles speak to uh, to men and women in the context of marriage speaks to the women first wives And then addresses men later here when he's talking to not just people who are married, but every man He comes to address us First to become a vibrant healthy praying church men need to take The initiative again. This is what men need to hear. It's not implying when it comes to prayer Women, your your role is less significant, uh, or you don't have to pray. I said, no, 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 do pray and be released in taking initiative as well. I think what it's ad- addressing is what can be a problem for men is passivity, uh, and there can be a number of different causes to that. Could be when it comes to prayer, just being a bit impatient. I'm a man of action. I want to just crack on with what God's called me to do. I don't want to sit. I don't want to have a chat. I don't want to pray. That's for the reflective types. I want to just get at it and do what God has called me to do. And so actually when it comes to prayer, perhaps a little bit passive. Could be other thoughts. Could be to do with inadequacy. Well, in everyday conversation, women are just far better at communicating. uh, We might think. And that may sometimes, even often, be true. It may not be true at all. Uh, statistics are sometimes quoted in either direction to say that in a typical day, a man says about a thousand words and grunts a lot more of the time. And we haven't quite managed to translate what all those different grunts mean. So they just speak a few hundred words. Women speak 20,000 words every day. Well, there's other research to say that we all speak about the same, the same amount. But this mindset can develop communicating expressing one's self clearly in articulate that's something that women do that's that's not really me and then we can translate that into our sp- kind of spiritual life as we might see it when we're speaking to god or the church is called to pray we think well that's just that's not really me because i'm a bloke uh well another cause for for passivity that needs to just be recognized but um be dismissed some guys may be passive uh, in kind of public moments of prayer and other times when the church is all together because in a way there's a good desire that they they don't want to appear to be power hungry or ambitious in the wrong way so they'll they'll tone down they'll just take a step back they won't they won't initiate they won't provide a lead they won't speak out just another cause for passivity uh that I think this passage would 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 challenge that Paul would challenge, and there can be as well a cultural attitude that 's developed maybe in the last generation that of course we all know really if there 's a problem in society or in government it 's probably men 's fault, and again, perhaps there 's evidence for that uh, in different situations we can be aware can 't we of the the scandals that sometimes hit the news the The pompous or the chauvinistic way that some men uh, have behaved, do behave, uh, are condescending uh, to women or others, and it isn't good. But just an awareness of that trend can mean that we all just take a step back. If, if, If men taking a step forward was the problem when it was done badly, the solution is just take a step, take a step back, be passive, let someone else do it let the women pray spirituality is well I'll just crack on quietly with with my life perhaps I'll put a great deal of initiative into work uh, and making money but I won't put initiative into family or to church life or taking responsibility in prayer all behind all of that can be another attitude which is just that of of pride See, maybe there's just something for us guys to recognize. Sometimes we don't like praying and we don't like taking a lead spiritually or in other ways too because of pride. We, prayer is an acknowledgement of being weak, that we need God's help. And often we don't want to acknowledge that we need help to pick on a stereotype that some might be able to identify with it's when you don't have a sat nav you don't have a map you're not quite sure where you are or how to get to your destination and for your other half sat next to you the solution is obvious pull over wind down the window and ask that friendly person for directions no for the guy that's like last resort we never want to do that because it acknowledges that we need help. I can sort this. I do know where we are. And I do know where to, we want to get to. I just haven't worked out the details in between. But we will make it. So just be quiet. Leave this to me. That can kick in, can't it? A, a proud reaction. We don't like asking for help. Paul's writing here, I, I want men everywhere to do what? To lift up holy hands in prayer. And I don't think he's saying when you pray, you have to adopt a certain stance, like kind of searching for signal. If your, if your, if your phone network is a bit weak, you've got to kind of stand by a window on one leg with the arm up. Yes, got it. I've got signal. I can communicate. It's not saying prayer. Prayer is like that. Adopt a certain posture. Oh, but that's not high. You've not lifted your hands high enough. Oh, steady on, steady on down a bit, down a bit there we go Father God, I thank you that you hear me when I pray like this uh, with my hands outstretched just a bit I say no maybe it's a typical posture of the day this is how we pray and sometimes when we gather to worship that's what we're doing it's intriguing, isn't it? it's sometimes what a child does to a parent pick me up I need your help or it's a position of surrender of just acknowledging you're God and I'm weak but I know in you, I, you can help me. I'm, I'm coming to you, God. Maybe you're stepping into a completely new season of life, new challenges before you, uncharted territory. It feels a bit strange. I mean, you might even be in a new city. How do I handle this? Whatever I do, I mustn't look weak. I mustn't let my guard down. I must always maintain this aura of I know what I'm doing. Well, prayer is letting that drop and say, God, I'm coming to you. Doing that in private, but actually in part of a church doing it together as well. As we raise up hands to say, God, help us. Help this nation. Be with us right now. Lead us on. Without you, we can do nothing, Lord. But help us to bear fruit for you in your kingdom. In James chapter 4, James says... Uh, in James chapter four, verse two, uh, you do not have because you do not ask. He goes on to address motives you might not have because you 're asking in the wrong way, but you don 't have because you don 't ask speaking into uh, passivity, just leave it to someone else or maybe god 's sovereign he 's in control anyway he doesn 't need me to pray no we 're instructed and invited to pray and be let's be courageous in it let's also be holy let's lift up holy hands again it's that sign of surrender not prescribing a certain a certain stance or posture per se but paul is addressing this concern that our whole lives as well as uh, what we say in prayer uh, are characterized by holiness uh, a holiness in how we have been uh, how we have been living It can be shocking to consider, but it's worth pointing out that God doesn't hear all prayer. You might think that's outrageous. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The way is open. We can come in through the blood of Jesus. Yes, that's true. Um, But if we've cultivated unholiness, if as we raise our hands, there is something unholy about them, then we shouldn't presume that God will just ignore it uh, ignore unrepented sin. So there are ways in which God may say, well, I've, I've heard your prayers, but I'm not paying attention quite yet. Uh, uh, we see in, in Isaiah, uh, right at the beginning of that, uh, that book, in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 15, God addressing the nation, when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong, and so on. In other words, God decides not to hear prayer, as it were, that is tarnished by ungodliness. And maybe this is just something for some of us guys to consider. There are other examples in Scripture, just to turn to briefly, another one would be in, in 1 Peter chapter 3. And in verse 7, this time addressing uh, husbands, men who specifically are married. In, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Isn't that fascinating? We might think, well no, that's my, my married life is, is kind of contained in this box over here and my prayer life is completely distinct and separate and one doesn't really impact the other. Well, woe to us if that's honestly the way in which we We think hopefully our our marriages are impacted by what we're praying. Actually, what we're praying can be impacted by our marriages. And for the guy who's thinking, oh, God, I'm here for you. I'm lifting up my hands to you. I'm seeking you passionately and urgently in prayer. Come and break out in this nation. Come and hear me as I bring this before you. And uh, hello, how's your wife? Have you considered her? Recently, it's it's not necessarily even speaking about there's blood on your hands. Hopefully, there isn't at all. It's not speaking of outright harm. It could be speaking of you're not thinking about her. You've not been paying attention to her. You've not been trying to put yourself into into her shoes. Lifelong challenge, but it takes genuine effort to consider. Do you know what? I don't know what it's like. To be married to me. So I've really got to consider to lean in. Not just to assume everything's okay, I've got important spiritual matters to attend to. So I know, come on. There could be brilliant prayers in this room, God honoring. Faith, Bible-inspired kingdom prayers that currently the Lord is hindering. I'm not listening to that yet. Because there's something you need to go and sort out. Be considerate. And in other places, we could turn in the Old Testament to occasions where God's people are, maybe are raising up their hands in worship to him. But on other occasions... They're raising their hands to another God. Well, not a real God, obviously, there's only one, but raising their hands to an idol. And the Prophet Jeremiah challenges God's people um, on that very regard. Well, this this is disconnected. How can you how can you pretend in the temple to be worshipping wholeheartedly when when also you're making sacrifices to this other God? And you know the people's response in Jeremiah? We will certainly continue, as it were, to raise our hands to the Queen of Heaven. Yeah, we're, we're going to worship other idols. God has to be understanding. We'll try and fit him in, in his place. But he's not the only, he's not the one and only. We're kind of spreading our bets a little bit. We'll, we'll make sacrifices here, we'll make sacrifices there. We'll worship this God, we'll worship that God. And for us, we might look back at that and say, well, that's just Ridiculous. Uh, in uh, unsophisticated society, we've we've progressed beyond that. But maybe without realising it, we've stumbled into raising our hands to other idols, uh, maybe to do with money, or lust, or success, or something else. And that's what the the Monday to Friday is. I'm raising my hands in a completely different temple, and I'll, I'll come to God. I'll, I'll make the odd prayer meeting, and then I'll I raise my hands to him. He said no. I am the one and only God. Draw near to me. Consider, consider positively Elijah. James speaks of Elijah. He says he's an ordinary man just like us. But he prayed. And we're told he's, the, the, the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. We read about Elijah and we see his prayers were powerful. Why was that? Because he was only raising his hands to God. And he was in step with him, faithful, obedient in the highs, in the lows, in those uncomfortable moments. I don't know how this is all going to work out, Lord, but I'm choosing to follow only you and worship only you. Just look how God pays attention to Elijah's prayers. So let's be courageous. Let's be holy and let's be gentle. Now, this is not an instruction just to be softly spoken. When you pray, be gentle, be softly spoken. Um, Someone praying loudly or passionately is not in error. Maybe they've just understood the need for urgency. So let's make allowances for different people's temperaments and different people's giftings, different people's passions when we hear one another pray out. But it says here... To raise up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. Jesus rocks up. Jesus is aware of a conversation that his disciples are having. These 12 men are on on the road with Jesus. They're walking and they're talking as they go. And there is a dispute among them. Mm. Who's the greatest? Which one will be the most significant? And so an argument develops as they're kind of jostling for, for position. Well, the reason why I'm better than you is clear to everybody else. Why can't you see? There's this, there's a kind of hostile relationship between them. They're all kind of wanting to be close with Jesus and wanting to, to follow Jesus, but they're not getting on. There's there's an anger, or there's a there's a hostility. They don't they don't really mind if they damage relationship with each other, as long as it enables them to get closer to Jesus. Getting closer to Jesus doesn't involve pushing other people out of the way or treading on on other people's gifts. Uh, We we heard last weekend, for those who were here, about Cain and Abel, the, the original sibling rivalry. Cain just can't contemplate the fact that his brother has offered something that the Lord found acceptable, and that the Lord finds fault with Cain's offering. And so he deals with it in the most... Drastic and violent of ways and sometimes In the church as family as God's people There can be simmering sibling rivalries and this needn't just apply it to men, but it's just bringing it home today to us guys Is there any personal bitterness or unforgiveness or damaged relationship that might be hindering your prayers. If there is, remember Jesus. When you come and you offer your gift, if you remember that somebody might have something against you, go and deal with it. Elsewhere in the Bible, we're instructed, let your your gentleness be evident to all. It says of Jesus, a strong and courageous and holy man, who knew how to lead into a crisis, not just hang at the back of the crowd waiting for other people to take the lead, but a strong man who uh, there was no hint of any inappropriate behavior with women. They were safe with him. And men were were encouraged as well. Um, he, described, he described himself as one who is gentle and humble in heart. As we draw near To him as we follow him, actually it will bring about a a gentleness in how we relate to one another. I'm going to bring it into land there. I hope that provides uh, encouragement, maybe challenge as well. Is there, is there anything, could there be anything hindering our prayers? Let's, let's take the lead. Let's, let's be on our guard that we won't, we won't allow that sibling rivalry that other idol to to come in and squash faith to either to stop us praying or to stop god listening let's let's seek him let's seek him with clean hands if you're aware then of something you think that's uh, it's not clean i i have something on my hands well we'll come to him confess it to him and he will cleanse You, it will forgive you and restore you, but let's move on together. Let's allow nothing to hinder our prayers. And and maybe if you're just listening in this morning, you think, is, is the Christian faith really for, for men? Does it, would it involve kind of, do, do I have to give something up of what it means to be a man? No, it will just challenge you and sharpen you and encourage you and lead you to be more and more like Jesus, the ultimate man.